Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sinful Sarah's Horror Menagerie. I'm your host, Sarah Sin, tackling horror movies, peeling back the layers, and taking a deeper dive into them. Again, on the show, I don't just discuss my love of horror movies. I like to bring in the aspect and perspective of horror and history, how horror movies tend to reflect society's fears. And since I am a psychology major, I like to bring this aspect and perspective in as well and see how the horror movie I'm focusing on reflects psychology and mental health in any way. So as you all know, February is the month of love, and the theme this month is roses are red, violets are blue, till death do us part, so don't fuck with my heart. And I'm focusing on horror movies that have some kind of love story in it, you know. So this week, we are doing 1985's The Bride. And again, I am so sorry if I butcher any of these names. Directed by Frank Rodham. Starring Sting as Charles Frankenstein, Jennifer Beals as Eva, Anthony Higgins as Clerval, Clancy Brown as Victor, David Rappaport as Ronaldo, Alexei Siles as Major, Major, sorry, Phil Daniels as Bela, Varushka as Countess, Quentin Crisp as Dr. Zalas, Carrie Elways as Joseph, or Yosef, however he says it, Tim Spall as Paulus, and Geraldine Page as Mrs. Bowman. So for horror and history, I said definitely some sexism in here. Basically how men view women as property, trying to mold them how they want them. And I would definitely say there's discrimination against little people, how they are poorly treated, and how people use them to their benefits. So psychology, mental health, Manipulation, discrimination, a God complex, narcissistic personality disorder, asserting dominance, female sexuality, dishonesty, jealousy, assault, both sexual and physical, sadly, and obsession. So today's episode, and I can't believe I actually made it this far, is my 100th episode. So I decided to go back to the beginning and bring back my old co-host Nathaniel to join me for today for celebrating my 100th episode. So I have Nathaniel today. So yay. <laughs> Hi. No, I, I'm, uh, I'm so thrilled that you're, uh, that you're still doing it and, um, and that, uh, and you've made something of it uh, uh, following my departure. And I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of you that you've done hundred episodes. That's wonderful. Um, it's uh, it's a great show. So uh, I'm glad to be here. I, I mean to, I always mean to stop by more often and, uh, but um no, I think uh, I I just I'm I'm so glad that you're still doing it and that you've hit. So congratulations on the 100 episodes. That's amazing. Well, thank you. Well, I mean, honestly, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have the show to begin with. So, you know, you're the one who asked me to do a show with you and I said, "Yes." And here I am today. So, you're the reason I started this show. So, I should really be thanking you, honestly. Well, I I just gave you a little push in the direction. You you've <laughs> you've made the show into what you needed it to be and that's that's was always the goal and so I'm really glad that uh that it's worked out so well thank you um I just wanted to ask first before we dive into the movie why did you want to do this movie the bride right uh well actually the funny thing is I thought I remembered it being more fun than it is uh quite frankly uh yeah you'd approached me about Bram Stoker's Dracula or this and uh I had I'd covered Bram Stoker's Dracula on uh my show uh, at the devil's ball. And, um, and I was like, you know, I just did it not too long ago. And I was like, well, the bride is pretty fun. It's a weird movie. And then, um, I put it on the other night to, to prep for this and was like, oh, 
what have I done? Um, and um, but no, I mean it's 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 not a bad film. Uh, but out of the two, I was like, you know, I haven't seen The Bride in forever. Uh, but I did remember it as being uh, a lot more interesting, I think. And um, it's it's really not. It's still interesting, but it's not that. It, it really should be more interesting than it is. But I but no, I mean, I think it's actually a fine movie. But I was like, you know, it was like, kind of, I, man, I wish I had done. Bram Stoker's Dracula. I had actually wondered why you weren't didn't want to do um, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, the Kenneth Branagh, um, but uh, uh, instead of this one. But uh, but you you said that the theme is is romance, so I was like, okay, yeah, sure. The Bride is sort of the romantic comedy variation on Bride of Frankenstein. So, um, for better or worse, so it feels it, it the film feels very much like. It's like if, if Disney were to make a uh, like an animated version of a fairy tale about the Bride of Frankenstein, sort of like that's what the Bride is. Like there's all this soft lighting and uh, and um, but a nice twist on the traditional. Uh, I mean, it, actually, it's very similar, I guess, to like kind of like Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame too. Like there's the weird looking hero, the actual like romantic interest is sort of this weird guy. It's a, it, but yeah, that's guy why. I mean, I was like. This this seems a little bit more obscure and a little bit more fun to talk about. And then I I was sort of like, oh shit, the bride. But okay, no, I, it wasn't that bad. I actually no, I, I never heard of it until I watched. I think it was In Search of Darkness. It's either one or two mm-hmm. that mentions it. And then I was like, oh, I never even heard of this movie. This is kind of interesting little take yeah. of you know the Bride of Frankenstein. And speaking of the little one, mm-hmm. here she is. Yeah, Amara, we are recording. So you, if you want to say hi quickly, say hi. Hi, Amara. Say hi. Okay. I, honey, go back upstairs. I'll see you later. I'll be upstairs later. Okay. Shut the door, please. <laughs> I always have to say that. So no. many time now, I feel like that should be like my line. Shut the door. But yeah. I actually did like that it was kind of a different take. And that's where I first saw it was in Search of Darkness, which mm-hmm. such a great documentary. If no one's seen it, all three of them, amazing. Mm-hmm. But the first thing I wanted to talk about, and it's, it's a big aspect of the movie, but there's not, I didn't write down a lot of like scenes to talk about, but mm-hmm. I liked how the two stories are mirroring each other. So you got, you know, Victor, who's the monster out in the real world, learning about the world around him through Ronaldo, but you also have Eva learning about the world around her through Charles and mm-hmm. each scene like mirrors each other. Those like the part where like, She's learning how to eat chicken and he gets mad at her because she says chin, not chicken. And he's like, no. And then he gets mad at her because he doesn't even teach her how to eat it correctly. So she starts eating it like a dog. And how dare she? But right. Victor is learning, you know, because he does the same thing. He just starts eating. Ronaldo goes, wait, wait, wait. Like, maybe I wanted some. Do you think you can share with me? And, you know, he's teaching him. So I just liked how that was the first thing I, I actually really enjoyed about the movie is how they were mirroring each other. And for me, it didn't seem forced, like they were mirroring each other. It seemed like it just kind of pulled the story along, in my opinion, personally. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, um, I can see that. And, and yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, my only real issue with that in terms of like, you know, breaking the movie down is it's, um, the way this thing is edited is very choppy. And so it kind of jumps from, like, it's literally a one-for-one comparison, which feels a little bit jarring, I think. Uh, like, you know, there's a scene of Eva and then there's a scene of Victor, which, uh, to clarify for those of you watching at home or listening at it right now, 
Uh, the monster is eventually named Victor in this film. Uh, in the original 1931 movie, the doctor is named Victor. So, um, it's really difficult to figure out who's named what in Frankenstein history. There's so many Frankenstein movies, but, um, if we refer to Victor, we're referring to the monster in this movie versus Victor Frankenstein, the doctor, which is what he's usually known as. It's, it's a weird jumble of references to older movies too in this one. So, but yeah, um, we have the story of Victor and you have the story of Eva, um, and, uh, who's named after, um, the first woman, which is yeah, technically uh, Eve. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, uh, but yeah. So you have these little like one for one scenes. Like there's a scene of Victor, and then there's a scene of Eva, and a scene of Victor, and a scene of Eva. And then every once in a while, there's one of just Charles. Um, but that's essentially it. And it kind of it starts to get like you're like you can't seem to grab hold of one story versus the other. Like it's, but apparently even the director has stated that the. Um, uh, psychic connection thing doesn't work. And I was like, I agree with you, director. It's a little bit, it's not established well enough. It kind of gets brought up, but like, like you mentioned like the scene of eating chicken, but at the same time, like Victor is also learning how to eat chicken from Ronaldo. Um, and so they try to mirror that. I mean, and so the mirroring is, is a, a, a powerful idea, um, which is my point ultimately, um, is that it doesn't quite land as well as it should. Um, but especially with the way it turns out and it's sort of like, you know, like, I don't know, this is a weird movie. So, I mean, like we're going to, I mean, like it's, I I don't want to jump ahead, but yeah, I mean, no, the mirroring thing is, is, is interesting. I mean, it's an interesting idea. I didn't actually didn't know there was supposed to be a psychic connection. So I didn't even catch on to that. Oh really? I just thought part of the story was like, they're both learning because that was what I was seeing was like they're both learning about the world around them, but they're learning in completely two different ways. Yeah. Right. Because I was like, I was writing this down like as I'm watching it, like to make sure I don't forget anything. But I was like, Ronaldo is showing Victor like love and compassion and kindness and patience mm-hmm. yeah. to learn about the world around him, kind of taking his hand and leading him or letting him basically lead, you know, Victor's leading Ronaldo and Ronaldo's letting Victor learn. Mm-hmm. But then you have Charles, who's Frankenstein. I guess I'll just say Frankenstein. Um, he's manipulating and impatient and controlling. And he's like not leading like Victor's being led. He's dragging Eva. Like yeah. just the mm-hmm. idea that like they're both learning, but they have two different teachers. And it's just, I don't know. So I start thinking like, who's going to learn? Like who really will learn how to be civilized in the real world like the one who's being taught with a soft touch or the one who has the firm hand yeah who's gonna survive better so that was kind of what i was thinking at that's what i saw the mirroring as was that you're seeing them both learn about the world around them through their teachers but they're learning they have two different teachers basically is what i'm saying charles is an asshole Mm -hmm. and ronaldo is very sweet and compassionate so that's why i didn't maybe that's why i didn't catch on to the psychic connection because i didn't I know it's that. it's mentioned the Soviet nation's mentioned a couple of times, like at one point Eva's spinning and then Victor gets dizzy um and like kind of falls over. It's 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 in there, it's just not very well done. So it's yeah, I just thought Victor was drunk. Yeah, no, it's just these these like she's spinning and suddenly Victor feels it and like that. Uh when Ronaldo dies, they cut Eva's crying in bed, she feels his heartbreak. Um, spoiler alert, I guess, for the death of Ronaldo. But uh, but no, I think you know, to your point about um, 
learning in the in the world and how to and you use the word real world um you know that term means two very different things as well in this film um victor is actually probably arguably in the real world eva is in one that's manufactured mm-hmm. um and i think there's something to that idea of um eva is manufactured for this very specific purpose and lives inside of sort of this uh very uh controlled um fabricated world that charles is setting up for her uh versus victor who is actually out there um you know learning the you know the definition of starvation you know like um you know he's not even aware he's hungry until ronaldo's sort of like this is hunger and, and victor's like oh shit really uh that's why I, that's why i feel like this oh wow um but, you know, uh, and victor experiences the the you know what you might call the school of hard knocks you know the the world is a harsh place um and, but oddly enough again because the script is really weird uh eva's the one who like professes the size of the world how big the world is like, well no victor's been the one out experiencing that your world's actually very small eva but um it's just fascinating in that respect but yeah but you have two different sets of learning as well you know victor uh eva's being uh given books you know she's reading victor's you know going to the circus uh you know two very different uh viewpoints of the world um there's a, it's a great uh great set of scenes of two of victor um purchasing a necklace to impress eva with and then he sees eva being put uh, having a yeah. huge gigantic diamond on uh and sort of understanding the difference between these two worlds in that respect uh it's it's a very interesting moment it's not played up very well i feel like that you know that scene could have been more powerful if if he'd left the necklace and she preferred it i think like i would have i thought that was what was going to happen and instead it was like no he just throws it in the river i'm like well okay well i'm glad we went that direction movie um uh thanks for bringing us down that road it's a nice dead end we found here um but it's um well i was sad for him when he did that Oh, yeah. I felt yeah. really bad for him when he did that. But it's interesting. Sorry, it's interesting you're saying about the two different worlds because mm. um, I'm actually using my language that I use in childcare because <laughs> infants learn. And basically, both of them are infants. Like, they're basically infants and yes. they learn about the world around them by doing. So it mm-hmm. is interesting that Eva has to learn through books and mm-hmm. Victor actually gets to be hands-on learning about the world around him. And I said, like, Charles is definitely molding Eva into what he wants but Ronaldo is letting Victor discover who he is by experiencing the world and doing because like I said play and exploration is how infants learn is through right. play and exploration which is basically mm-hmm. what Victor's doing Eva is like you said books and here this is how you're going to do it and being told what to do which honestly that's not how an infant will learn no that's basically what they are they're little they're new to the world yes so. Oh, it's absolutely what they are. Yeah. I mean, there's something, there's definitely something to that idea in this film about, uh, you know, to it, it's, I mean, it's at the core of the Frankenstein mythos in general, the idea of being made and, uh, you know, fully formed without all that development that comes um, with growing up and, and being in the world that you kind of never asked to be in and trying to figure out who you are, um, you know, and 
uh, it's actually like there's some really great stuff. It's just again, it's really awkwardly edited. But the when Eva finally kind of finds out who she is, which should have probably happened 45 minutes sooner, um, at the end of the film, yeah. it's this great moment of uh, of her being like, "Well, what you know, who am I?" and him being like, "I don't know. You're a bunch of you know a bunch of pieces I put together." Um, it, it's a it's a good it's an interesting existential idea of if I'm just a, a sum of parts. You know, then what does that mean for me? Who am I? Um, uh, and she doesn't, she kind of, I guess, finds that through like this uh, realization that she and Victor are the only two like them in the world, which is very, it's, 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 a, it's a big idea, um, but it doesn't, again, it doesn't quite land. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think there's a lot to that idea about the idea of education and the idea of, existing within a world that you can't possibly understand and uh, in, in their particular circumstance. I mean, if you give a child a, an adult body and expect them to behave in adult ways, they're not going to be able to figure it out. It's not like Tom Hanks and big where it's like fun and exciting. It's actually really confusing and strange. Or 13 going on 30. <laughs> right. Or 13 going on 30. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you end up, uh, you know, there's the existential idea of how, like, or actually horrifying, like, big is in my mind is like the idea of, uh, you know, suddenly being like, oh shit, my body's doing all kinds of weird things. I mean, I feel like that movie should have actually had like Tom Hanks waking up and being like, it just crying over how his back hurts or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, when you get older and you're like, oh man, this doesn't work the way it did. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot to that idea in in this film. Um, and education is at its core. Uh, and, and the identity of the teacher does matter. I mean, there's one of the monster, one is monstrous, um, in, in terms of othering in society, you know, Ronaldo would be considered monstrous by his time and place versus, uh, Charles Frankenstein, who is, you know, sting, you know, and everybody likes him, I guess. Um, but I mean, I he's actually he out of a job. So I was, impressed. yeah. He's the monster, but really, I think I, I always I was watching this movie and be like, I don't, I feel like Sting doesn't even speak English. I'm not sure what's going on right now because he's kind of like, uh, it feels very much his delivery feels very much like he spoke his lines in French and then redubbed it in English. It's really weird. Um, but um, I but no, feel like he, maybe he's supposed to be. I don't know. I, all I saw was someone who was just didn't care about anyone but himself. Yeah, so the way he talks is flat and careless yeah. because yeah. that's who he is. That's why I was like, I just. Well, I think they said in uh, in that <laughs> In Search of Darkness segment that the kind of the point was supposed to be Sting and Jennifer Beals don't have any chemistry. And um, but that was like done very deliberately, supposedly. Yeah. But um, it doesn't really work for the scenes. I mean, um, and uh, but Sting is is he's an interesting choice. But um, I think it actually would have been more interesting to put Sting in the role of Victor, to be honest. But um, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, but yeah, Clancy Brown is fantastic, though. I mean, he's great in this movie, but um, he's great in all his movies. I love him. Oh, yeah, Clancy oh, Brown's a phenomenal actor, yeah, he's amazing. and he's what's bringing a lot of this thing home in this movie. Him and, and him and Beals, Beals is actually pretty good in it, too. Jennifer Beals, she's actually doing a pretty good job. Um, and, and Ronaldo, uh, Ronaldo, yes, Ronaldo's probably was probably my favorite character in the entire movie, yeah. Ronaldo's interesting because you, you you feel like when we meet him, I, I'm kind of like, is he is he exploiting Victor or not? And then they're kind of like, well, no, actually, it turns out he's not. I'm like, oh, okay. I kind of thought there would be some sort of comeuppance on this, but no, I guess not. Like, 
Um, it's a, it's, he's an interesting character though. I mean, Ronaldo, it's a little on the nose, I think, but he's, it's, uh, I love his death scene because it's so like, it's so kind of hammy, but, um, as sad as it is, he's like, you know, basically like giving that speech of like, go to Venice, like take your, take the money and go find your girl and follow your heart. And I'm like, (laughs) thanks Jiminy Cricket, I guess. Like, but, um, which I think is probably a, a reference, a direct reference that he's supposed to be like Jiminy Cricket to Victor's Pinocchio. You know, Victor's becoming a real boy as a result of this relationship with Ronaldo. Um, you know, this movie's very fairy tale. Very, oh, yeah. very fairy tale. I think it's yeah. supposed to be though. I mean, yes. I mean, because if you think about it, fairy tales were really the first horror mm-hmm. out there. I mean, I've read the Grimm's fairy tales. They're not, yeah, children. <laughs> yeah they are are scary and creepy yeah oh they absolutely are but this is is pattern like i said it's almost like the disney version of uh bride of frankenstein because it really does feel like you know this fairy tale atmosphere that has been cultivated within this uh this narrative um down to like you know just you know the rather operatic idea of you know hero and villain facing down in battle in a big crumbling gothic castle um, with just the, the archetypes, uh, swapped, you know, um, yeah. and it worked. I mean, that, that stuff I thought worked. I was like, oh, that's clever. Um, there's a direct reference, uh, shot for shot to, um, another, uh, James Whale film we covered together forever ago, uh, uh, the old dark house. Uh, oh. di- yeah. There's a scene in which the, um, uh, I guess she's like the maid. Yeah. And she's running down the hallway and there's like uh there's a thunderstorm and she's got like a shawl over her head and the um uh pillow the the um curtains are are billowing it is shot for shot uh one of the most famous shots from Old Dark House in which the older lady runs down the hallway with uh oh, yeah. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> I it's, noticed uh, that. I didn't. Yeah. No, it's it, I I just noticed it was oh, that's very clever. Um but yeah, the director clearly had uh had these references in his in head in 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 mind making this film and that's the stuff that i think does work um there however is like you know there's a lot of awkwardness to this picture but um but no i mean i think that the the core theme of of what you're talking about the the idea of two worlds two different educations two different approaches to the way one uh experiences the world is at the core of this film um you know, even like, uh, but also like it again, it's not, it doesn't quite land, but I'm like, there's a comparison to the idea of like the circus versus uh, like the court, you know, like the wealthy the people countess hanging out part. together. Yeah. The countess. Yeah, the countess the, yeah. That's you know, kind of a circus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's, it's all, um, you know, this sort of fascination with animals, uh, you know, Victor wants to ride a horse and then, uh, Eva knows how to ride a horse and like that connection is made. But, you know, it's, um, it's, it's interesting to me that there is that comparison to be made. Um, even if it doesn't quite hit the way I think it should. I mean, that, and I think it's the most frustrating thing about this movie for me as I'm watching going, I see what you want to do. Right. Um, and it's clever and it's, it's poignant, but you're not doing it very well. And I, I feel kind of like, uh, I feel like if this movie were worse, it'd be better. Like it's one of those films that I'm kind of like, if this were more B movie ish, I think it would be great. 
like there's a little bit more ham fistedness to it. <laughs> um, it would at least be kind of like a fun type of movie, but instead it's, it's very self-serious um, yeah. and very earnest. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, what else, what, what other, uh, themes did you want to, I heard your intro and I, I probably should have written down your topics, but what's your, what's your next topic that you wanted to move to? I actually wanted to talk about the whole idea of like the treatment of little people. Cause it was very like, mm-hmm. prevalent in this movie. And it was even something I was like looking up like discrimination. I was like, I want to make sure that I don't use any wrong terminology. Like, but it was definitely mm-hmm. something that was really like, kind of like really in a way for me hard to watch like I know it was you know back in whatever 1800s that was acceptable behavior and even probably up until probably when the movie was made it was probably acceptable behavior but Mm. it's just the idea of like Ronaldo is this absolutely sweet person who takes Victor under his wing yet he is treated worse than the so-called monster is treated it's like, yeah. you know, like when you first meet him, it's little kids pushing him around. Yeah, little kids like are pushing him around. The yeah. kids are being like, and he's like, no, stop, go away. Like, get going, get out, like, leave me alone. And these yeah. kids are literally just roughhousing him and bullying yeah. him. And it's not until Victor walks over that the kids are like, oh, shit, and they leave. Right. right. It's just how he's treated that I was just, as I don't know, it's just. Kind of, I don't know. I guess it's for me. It's like so hard to watch sometimes these things because it's just like I never understand like why people think that way. Like there's the part where Victor walks off and he's got the toffee apples and he's trying oh, to yeah. find them, and that rich guy like shoves him to the ground and he's like, "Out of my way, you beastly man!" And he like shoves yeah. him to the ground and then he loses yeah. his second apple. He loses both toffee apples. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that's I'm not called like, out. Yeah. Yeah, that's and then even the circus guy was like. I wrote all them down. He was like, the world is sick of midgets and so am I. And that, mm-hmm. I, he says something about like that dwarf needs to go. And then that's when Bela like plans to kill him. But it's just, yeah. I don't know. There was just this whole, like definitely reflecting on how these people were treated just because what? They yeah. weren't over four foot 11. Yeah. Even though Ronaldo is literally like the nicest character besides Victor in the entire movie. But one would argue he's actually the nicest character in the whole picture just because Victor doesn't know. Right. You know, what oh, he yeah, is. That's true. But I'm yeah. just saying, like, he's like the sweetest, most, like I said, compassionate person. Yeah. Patient. And yet he's the one treated the worst. Yeah. Besides Eva. Eva's treated pretty bad, I think, too. But I'll get into that in a little bit. Sure. But he's treated terribly. And it's just, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Just such a reflection well, on the world, of the world around us. It's just yes. Bad. Yep. No, absolutely. I mean, like, and yeah, I mean, any sort of what would have been labeled as a deformity or or difference uh, would be treated that way uh, and probably still is in some circles. Um, but uh, but no, I think uh, it's to me, it was for Ronaldo it was it was more of the idea of what because what what brings him and Victor together is that idea of otherness that they are. Uh, and and it's it somewhat ties back into like Victor and Eva sort of being you know quote you know made for each other you know right. which you know bump 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 Superman <laughs> but um but yeah it's uh but yeah there's that idea of here's two people who are uh, made for each other but also like Ronaldo and Victor bond over the fact that nobody else will accept them accept each other yeah. um and yeah you're right it is hard to watch. Um, and it always is, I always have the hardest problems with, 
um, watching scenes of discrimination or mistreatment of people. Um, and which is why I was like, uh, but why I was like kind of, I hadn't seen the movie in a, a long, long time. And I watched it for the first time in like 10 years, uh, just the other night. And I couldn't remember if Ronaldo ends up being as scummy as everybody else. Um, but it turns out he's not, but I kind of thought maybe we were getting there and then it, it kind of, it kind of backpedaled away. Uh, but no, I mean, Ronaldo is, it, it's a, like I said, he's a very on the nose character, but, um, I think we like him. I think we're, you know, and we're supposed to like him. Um, and I think he does a great job. Um, uh, what was the name of the actor? Um, uh, something Rappaport. Oh yes, yes. Um, David Rappaport. Yeah. Thank you. David. I, like, I, I I remember the last name. I just I couldn't remember where I just I probably threw my paper on the ground. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, David Rappaport is uh is and uh, Ronaldo. The character is named after the screenwriter of the original, uh, Bride of Frankenstein. Um, and which is again, uh, which is another movie that's very much about otherness and the mistreatment of the other. Uh, because as we talked about when we did um when we did the old dark house, yeah. you know James Whale being an uh, a gay uh filmmaker in the nineteen thirties and how uh how th- that felt as another uh you know as something that would not be accepted in uh or rather was sort of accepted but in the sense of that like don't ask don't tell kind of acceptance in nineteen thirty one which was um. James Whale sort of allowed to be gay as long as he didn't get gay on everybody else kind of uh, mentality. And um, but persecution was was key in those stories and a lot of the old universal stories, even in fairy tales. You know, the idea of persecution is something that is uh, you and usually persecution for something you can't control. Yeah. Uh, you know, persecution for who you are. Um and that is obviously something that most of us can still relate to today. Um, you know, it's, uh, I don't, I don't want to get off on that soapbox, but you know, like we, we live in, in uh, a whole new level of, of discrimination in our current, uh, current political landscape. And, um, and I'm sure your audience is, is, is on the same page we are, I think, in terms of, how we feel about that. Uh, but you know, you, it, Ronaldo being a, a, a little person, uh, is that the correct nomenclature? Is it little person or um, is it dwarf I, or? I, I don't think you're supposed to, as last I read was the, yeah, the terms like dwarf midget, you're not supposed to say it's little okay. person, but I think there's a new term coming. They're trying to change it to it just hasn't gone right. to that yet. Cause there's always right. different, you know, yeah. like you're not, some people I have a lot of friends some friends in the LGBTQ community who don't like to use the term queer right they like to use LGBTQ which is why I always use LGBTQ even though I have other friends who use that term fine right you know but I'm always trying to lean towards what but as last time I remember reading was little person little person just because yeah yeah i uh, i want to be i want to be sensitive to the right terminology because right. it's it's important but um that's, that's but it's <laughs> all it's always yeah it's always tricky though but i mean yeah. but the what's important is we do our best i think yeah. with it but um but you can substitute ronaldo's uh difference with almost any other difference and still get the same general idea you know um if ronaldo were black he'd probably be treated the same way if ronaldo were gay he'd be treated the same way and he might be the, this performance plays a little bit 
um, uh, LGBTQ for me, um, you know, uh, to the point that I think it might have been at least thought about. Um, But uh, his compassion for, I mean, like the, you know, there's a great scene of um, he gets Victor to take his shirt off and he sees the stitches and and what he's moved by that. And he's like, you've been mistreated Um, in a way that he's like, we both, we both are, are mistreated. Um, but also just the, like their exploitation by the, uh, you mentioned like Victor kind of gets along a little bit better than Ronaldo does, but that's only because like in the, I, even in the eyes of the circus, you know, people, Victor is actually capable of being exploited while Ronaldo is not. Yeah. That's what they really don't like about Ronaldo is Mm -hmm. that he's like, well, no, Victor is useful. Right. And, uh, but as long as I'm here to speak for Victor, you yeah. can't exploit him mm-hmm. in the way that you would like to. Because they even say, like, the Victor will work for peanuts if we can get rid of the dwarf. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, Ronaldo is the one who's able to stand up for himself and knows what he has um, and what it, they have, what value they have. Yeah. Whereas Victor does not, which is, uh, which is again, is a really interesting idea. Take a guy who is, who is by definition, undervalued by society who's like well no i'm actually fully aware of what my value is and i'm fully aware of what his value is um you can't use us the way you want to use us because i'm smarter than you are uh and then of course you know there is actually i i do kind of like the added uh addendum of um the carnival runner kind of saying like i didn't ask you to kill ronaldo like i wanted him out of the way but like what you kill him for, uh, you know, this, that idea of like, you know, we never needed to do that. Um, yeah. even he kind of realizes the mistake that was made. Yeah. Cause there's no way. I mean, well, yeah, you'd have to, you'd have to think of it because Victor, why would Victor stick around? Yeah. Um, you, you know, he watched his friend die. You'd think he'd probably be like, well, yeah, I'll stay here and work in the carnival, I guess. Like, no, he's just going to leave. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's just this uh, it's a really interesting relationship in terms of the connection of two people who are persecuted who are able to find value in one another and then find a collective value um very um very marx you know it's um you know it's we understand what our value is and we're going to we'll exploit ourselves thank you very much um you know because ultimately what what they're doing in the circus is a dignified work Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it's fascinating that they look at that as a step up from abject poverty. Yeah, where they've been. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, and it, of course, then that, you know, you then connect that back to Eva's story where she has everything except um, autonomy. Yeah. You know, everything but freedom, everything but her own identity. Um, there's a powerful idea in that. And I think that uh, that really does. um that does add something to this film is that uh, to the point where I almost, almost feel like I would have rather what just watched the Victor Ronaldo story. story over, when, like, um, Eva and Charles sprinkled in there. Yeah. Uh, because that story I think lands a lot better. Uh, ultimately Eva's story, both stories do spin their wheels a little bit. Uh, this movie's two hours long. It doesn't need to be. Um, I think that's they, why that was the one thing I was thinking about was like, maybe some scenes could have been cut out. Yeah. And maybe was not even, stretched as long. Even in the Victor Ronaldo stuff, uh, I think I, I was watching it and then they did it. Uh, they had, the scene would be like the, the carnival guy would be like, I don't like that dwarf. We need to do something about the dwarf. Cut to a scene of Eva and Charles. And it comes back and says, I don't like that dwarf. We got to do something about that dwarf. 
cut back to Eva. It comes back and says, I don't like that port. And I'm like, well, are we doing this a third time? Um, am I in a Mobius strip? What's happening right now? Am I like, my quantum leaping? Like, you know, um, it was just kind of weird that I was like, okay, I, I, we get it. You know, yes, the carnival Barker guy doesn't like Ronaldo, but I was like, we, it, it's a third time. And I was like, wow, we really could have trimmed this thing down. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, uh, it's, but it is a powerful, uh, powerful concept. And I think that it, it does play. That's some of the stuff I think that does work better with this particular film is, um, that idea of otherness and, and what, um, what others are capable of if they are able to, uh, acknowledge and seize that otherness for something positive, especially yeah. in a collective. Um, but yeah, I mean, we also did Freaks, yeah. um, forever ago as well. And, uh, it's, it's a movie I've always loved, honestly. Yeah. I watched oh, it with a, my mom. Yeah. It's a great honestly, film. I've always loved. But co- compare that circus to this circus where there is, doesn't seem to be a community. Uh, it, it's, it still feels very capitalistic. Um, and it's, it's seen by, uh, Ronaldo and Victor as sort of this promised land. But when they get there, they just find more, uh, bigotry. Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating that the circus is still, this movie still frames the circus in that fashion. Um, yeah. and that Ronaldo's, um, appearance is still played with as, like his act is, uh, is to be childlike. Yeah. To be laughed at. He's a, he's a joke. And then they were like, well, what's going to nail the joke is we'll have Victor and drag run out and pretend to be his mother. Uh, looking for a small child. And this whole kind of what most people would consider to be, I guess, a humiliating performance is actually an ownership of their identity. Uh, it's, it's really interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I was just thinking, sorry, I'm thinking of something you said <laughs> that's been sitting in my brain now. So you mentioned that you thought Ronaldo might have been a scumbag a little bit, or maybe he was supposed to be. So I'm thinking now, you know, because he does say like, hey, why don't you just pick me up so I don't have right. to walk anymore? Maybe he was. Maybe he was supposed to, in general, turn on him. But once he saw those scars and realized this, he's no different than I am is when he made his kind of switch to go. No, I'm going to help this man, you know, help him through whatever he needs because he's just as, you know, hurt, tormented in trauma as I am. I've, I've, yeah, it's just something that was kind of sitting in my brain. I was like, hi, you made a really good point. And then you were saying, then you said something else about the uh, LGBTQ aspect of this movie. And I was like, you know, it's funny you say that because every time I saw a scene between Charles and I'm probably saying his name, I Clerval. Mm-hmm. I really thought that he was interested in Charles. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that was supposed to be intentional, if I'm reading more into it, but every time I saw the scenes of them together, the way, I don't know, just the way it played out was like Clerval was really interested in Charles. Charles is just so interested in himself that he could care less about anyone else. I think you're right. I think there's something to that idea. I think that, um, but I, I don't know if it's necessarily LGBTQ as much as it's in, in the world that Charles uh, exists within, everybody wants dominion. Like everybody owns everybody else. Right. Um, but no, I think there's a possessiveness between Clerval and, and Charles that, that could be sexual. Um, 
or it could just simply be um, dominance um, or both. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, I I think you, you you're on the right track with that for sure. Um, it's uh, it, and it's an interesting dynamic that's not as explored. But the idea that Clerval uh, is uh, against what um, Charles is doing with Eva, but not because he gives two shits about Eva, it's because he wants to see Charles fail. But and that maybe that's because he wants him for himself. Maybe it's just because he wants to be better than Charles. Maybe he's jealous. Yeah. Um, again, maybe. it's another relationship that could have been explored a little bit more. I think Clerbal has what three scenes in this picture? Yeah, because I actually yeah. wrote. I think I wrote down most of his scenes because I was saying how it's the whole sexism aspect molding women is the scenes between Clerval and Charles are very. I don't know. It's just, I sound, I feel like I'm listening to two guys talk in the locker room mm-hmm. being like, Oh, now I can't even find the line. Cause he's like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, you'll get there. Eventually everybody does like, have yeah. you taught her about sex yet? Right. Basically, like, are you going to have sex with her? Oh, you will eventually. Cause yeah. you're a man, you know? Yeah. And that's yeah. what we do. But it was very like, I don't know. I mean, I, I felt like he was interested in Charles personally, especially that scene where, and I don't know if I even wrote down the lines or wrote down where it was, but it's right after they go on their horse ride and they're ch- yeah. chatting and they're sitting by the fire. And I think if I remember correctly, he sits down like Charles is in the chair. And I think Clerval at one point sits down Yeah, how Eva sits down next to him. Yeah, I think so. Make you right. And I think that's where I started going, hmm, maybe he's interested in him. And if he is, cool. Like, right. I would have liked to seen that maybe explored more in the movie. But I felt like he was, um, I don't know, I just felt like there was some kind of interest there. But you could be right. It could be like fighting for dominance. But I well, think I think I don't I don't know if they're I don't I'm not entirely sure they would be uh, indistinguishable from one another in this type yeah. of world is kind of my point. I mean, like, oh. yeah, like Charles, like. To me, like okay, to 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 disregard the other character and just talk about Charles. Um, Charles' uh, idea of sexuality doesn't seem to be particularly predicated on gender mm-hmm. or even species, because technically mm-hmm. Eva is dead. Uh, she is a reanimated that. corpse. <laughs> yeah, um, you know this is not about. He doesn't want to have sex with Eva because he desires uh, a woman. He can have one of those. He desires, uh, he desires the love of his creation. And so it wouldn't shock me if they had gone a little bit further and maybe they would have, if it were made 20 years later, uh, to be like, you know, that they were lovers and that, but uh, Charles was just like, well, I don't care what I'm having sex with as long as it does what I say. Right. Um, which seems to be the, the attitude. I mean, like, and it would also color like why he created Victor in the first place. Maybe he wanted that with, that body um you god know complex. I think, yeah god complex what like he wants I, I know that the movie bride of reanimator is based off of like bride of frankenstein but it's mm-hmm. the whole idea like and i'm watching it in this movie too where uh herbert west is like that's my creation i did something that no woman's womb could ever do and mm-hmm. i'm like charles is doing the same thing like is it is he excited about these creations because now people can live past death like there's no he's found almost like the fountain of youth or is it because he has a god complex and now he's like 
we don't even need women to create. I right. can create them. I can do what no woman's womb can do. And basically it's like, I am God. Like, right. so I don't know. It was just something I, I saw. I mean, I know that's because Bride of Reanimator is based off of Bride of Frankenstein. That's why it's called yeah. Bride of Reanimator. But the whole no, time. I told it. No, <laughs> I, I, I think speech. Yeah. <laughs> Charles. No, and I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I think Charles, uh, like I said, the, the sexuality uh, in this in this scenario is not one of man and woman. It is of um, two entities that are, would be ostensibly sexless or genderless in, in its, in, uh, in its philosophical terms. Like, you know, that Charles wants, Charles wants the love of, wants the worship of his creation and, and wants ownership of that creation, which means all parts of evil must belong to him, whether it's her mind or her body. Um, you know, and the idea that her free will, uh, you know, kind of moves her away from him, upsets him further and further until the point where he's literally attempting to rape her. Um, yeah, because in his mind, it's not not that it's it's him taking what belongs to him in the first. Well, like, place. Yeah, I wrote. I remember writing that as a note. I was like, he's yeah. doing this because he, in his mind, I own you. I made you. Mm-hmm. Like I can do what I want. This is why right. I said like he has narcissistic personality disorder. Like the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, this is like textbook, and I love. This. So when you're a psychology major, and I've talked about this with other psychology majors, there's always a disorder you love to study. Mm-hmm. My number one is antisocial personality disorder, which you know can have psychopathic or sociopathic tendencies. My next right. one is narcissistic personality disorder i mm-hmm. love anything that has to do with i don't know i just love it and the first part that made me think of this with him was the fact that he can lie like on cue like mm-hmm. there's he doesn't even hesitate there's no thought behind it like the whole part where he was she was um like oh why'd you steal off the tower he's like oh i don't need it anymore like there wasn't yeah. even a, there's no hesitation he's like, where do i come from oh i found you in you know brew Corps and she was struck by lightning, you know, to clarify, like, oh, she was struck by lightning. She's a rare, ca- rare case. Like, there's no hesitation. There's no, like, thought behind it. He just instantly lies. Right. And then, mm-hmm. like you said, he wants, sorry, I got the kid in here again. No, it's all right. <laughs> but, you know, he I wants it. her. It's not about her. It's about, like, he created her. It's the whole idea of, like, he wants people to worship him Mm-hmm. and love him and like i said i even wrote it down somewhere and i can't even find it i was like here it is here's the definition of it. oh okay she just slammed the doors it's not supposed to happen when they're like 15 <laughs> sorry okay sorry people have this is narcissistic personality sorry and i had right. to write this down because of this people have an unreasonable high sense of their own importance they need and seek too much attention and want people to admire them People with this disorder may lack the ability to understand or care about the feelings of others, but behind this mask of extreme confidence, they are not sure of their self-worth and are easily upset by the slightest criticism, which then got me to the scene where Clerval, Charles, and Eva are talking. He's like, Keats, um, Prometheus, and she's like, Shelly's Prometheus. He's like, Keats pr- gets so yeah. mad at her, and then she goes off storms off grabs the book and like slams it, it back and Clerval looks at it and goes like prometheus unbound by shelly yeah and that makes charles even more angry mm-hmm. that she just you're wrong and she proved yeah. it and she showed mm-hmm. it and not even just between the two of them she did it in front of a person someone else right 
Like she made, she did, she criticized him and corrected him in front of someone. So then I was yeah. like, this is narcissistic personality disorder to a T. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And he's, <laughs> yeah. And what, and what makes it, what, what gives it a whole other kind of level is that I, same idea that we were talking about with um, Ronaldo and Victor about um, personhood and otherness, you know, uh, you know, uh, the, the question uh, it, it's sort of there in this movie and then it's not really picked up on, but as much, but the idea of are Eva and Victor people um, right. is uh, a question that they both ask themselves, but it's also a, a, a socially aimed question in the sense of like, well, you know, nobody considers Ronaldo a person in right. his environment. Um, so that the idea of in, in Charles's world, uh, uh uh, personhood is something he decides and only he decides yeah um that these creations that eva is only of worth uh, of use to him and uh, her worth is completely derived from what he uh denotes it is uh and it's a it's a uh, a fascinating view on on both um general personhood and, and that philosophical question but also in a way men and women interact um, because it's, because Eva is female and Charles is male, uh, obviously, I mean, the director himself has referred to this as a feminist retelling of Bride of Frankenstein. Um, I think he's a little off on that, but, uh, because I don't think it's very feminist. Uh, I think it's very humanist, I think in many ways, um, in the sense that the only people that the three people who would be considered socially not non-human are the only human ones in the picture um but uh in terms of feminism but also you know what we're looking at really is um well so, uh, well actually well, well uh I'll, I'll jump ahead a little bit here to um carrie elvis uh shows up oh yeah i wrote local, down that scene <laughs> yeah uh and he seduces eva has sex with her and then charles gets really upset and uh carrie elvis basically just says i don't care about her at all I just did this just to piss you off. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. yeah. And Eva is sort of heartbroken because she thought she had met someone that actually valued her as a person. Right. Um, but instead she was another object. Um, now the conquest. That, Cause he's, yeah. that's what he does. Yeah. Conquest. And he's egged on by the countess in that scene in the beginning where she's looking at Carrie Ellis and going, yeah, go talk to that. Go talk to her. Um, that it's all a game to them. And um, and Eva is nothing but a plaything for that world. Um, that's that's a powerful notion that I think it ultimately kind of coalesces in that last moment. But that's what I mean is I feel like it almost should have been forty minutes earlier because it's sort of a turning point in the story, but it happens at the very end. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that it could have been explored more if they had put it sooner, which is the idea of Eva as captive um, in this world that. That's the other thing is they call it a feminist retelling, but he still she still needs a man to save her, which is feels weird to me. But um, I but would I have like rather that, honestly, but I like that she's a strong person. Like she even says at some point, like you can't talk, don't you dare talk. Like yeah. there's one where she's like, "How dare you talk to me like that?" She's like, "You don't own me. I'm not some mare." Like yeah, you, you know, like she at least like isn't just like, "Oh yes, sir, whatever you want." Like oh, right. you know, like she's not just like he is molding her to what he wants. But he doesn't realize like that he's also 
like she's also figuring out some yes. things at the same time like she's figuring out her worth and that she's mm. worth something and that she is you know she's more than just a pretty face like she has I don't know like it's at least she can stand up for herself. Like I said, like the that whole is... scene where she takes the book and is like, here you go. She could have just easily been like, yo, you're right. Instead, she was like, no, you're not right. And I'm going to prove you wrong. Here's mm-hmm. how you're wrong. And I'm going to do it in front of your friend. Right. So you, so you can understand that, like, you can't talk to me like that. Yeah. You know? And that's all that's all gratifying. But I think it's somewhat undercut by the fact that when he finally tells her the truth after that scene, he tells her the truth of what she is. Not who she is, but what she is. Right. Um, she has an existential breakdown that is ultimately, uh, only, uh, only patched when Victor arrives. Um, it's, it's a little bit like, I, I'm not saying, I, well, I'm not disagreeing with you as much as I am disagreeing with the director. Um, and his decision to be like, well, this is a feminist story. And I'm like, well, except that it ultimately this last, this climax is two men fighting over girl. Um, uh, and so, uh, and very like phallically, you know, like, you know, which by the way, I made me laugh the whole time. Cause I'm like, he picks up this stick with fire on it. And even though they've established Victor basically is like superhuman strength for some reason, that's still working. I'm like, why haven't you taken it from him and just broken him in half Victor? <laughs> but, um, but he's like, you know, the little, like, you've always been afraid of fire, haven't you? And then like, it, I'm like, well, yeah, but you just set him on fire and he's fine. So why hasn't Victor just turned around and broken your arm? Right. Um, but it, but that's what I, I mean is that it almost feels like it's despite the fact that this movie is two hours long, I feel like they ran out of time somehow. Mm-hmm. And so the, the last act ultimately is two men fighting over woman. Uh, the, 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 uh, non dashing hero versus the more dashing villain. Uh, villain is vanquished and then the two who are made for each other, uh, get together. Um, but did, do you really think that it was, I don't know. Do you really think that it was two men fighting over a woman or was it the fact that Victor walked in watching someone get assaulted by someone else? And it wasn't so much him fighting. It was the fact that he saw something happening that even he knew was wrong. Like, that's not okay. I'm going to save this person because I'm a good person. Well, I read you know, online. Or is it you because, know. you know, like he really liked Eva? You know, I don't know. Like, I, part of me feels like I just think he walked in and saw someone who was being harmed and he knew that was wrong. And then he's like, I'm going to just kill. Well, he's come the dick. Yeah. He's come <laughs> for Eva though. I mean, like what well, the reason he's there is because he, he cares for Eva. Um, and you want, but one could argue he doesn't really know Eva, but yet, they, but there's the whole psychic connection angle. So I guess he does, but, um, and that they've shared a certain identity. Um, but no, I mean, I think, there's something to that idea as well. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, either way, the, the, the punctuation is Charles, you know, gets thrown to his death and that's what's supposed to happen. But, um, yeah. (laughs) Um, in the same way that, yeah. In the same way that Victor had been thrown off in the first act of the film. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's something to that. I think that you, you could make that argument that there is, uh, you know, a more non-gendered specific uh, a viewpoint of uh, mistreatment is of another person is wrong. And ergo, uh, you know, Victor steps in or intervenes. 
Well, I think um, if it was like the, the beginning, like if something like that, Victor wouldn't have known. But because he's learned with Ronaldo, he's learned he learned what cruelty is and how mm-hmm. terrible the world is. You know, he yes. watched his friend get killed, and then re- here's Bela and Major talking about it, and Bela admitting that he killed him, and he gets angry and he kills Bela. But you know, he learns how cruel the world really is. Mm-hmm. You know, and then he, yeah, he likes Eva. He. I, I honestly didn't even catch the psychic connection, but I guess there's a psychic connection. Yeah. He goes to see her, but then at that point, like he sees someone in trouble and yes. because he knows how cruel the world is, he steps in and then it's, he's stepping in to the guy he hates because this is a guy who treated him like crap, even called yeah. him an abortion at one point. Yeah. He calls him an abortion. Like, yeah. you know, like, so I don't know. I just feel like, and then I don't know. I just, that's kind of how I saw it. Um, okay. I don't know. Like I see things differently. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I just, I, I, I guess I could probably see the angle of how it's a feminist movie in a way, just because I do like that Eva is strong, and she mm-hmm. is. I don't know. Like she can, as a woman, it was nice to see a another girl just not let some man trample all over her. At yeah. first, he is because he's molding her to what he wants, but eventually, she does say like, nope. Like you're not gonna talk, and then when she walks away, when Joseph and Charles are, are like, you know, he's saying like, "Oh, I was gonna screw her because you know you like her," she's like, "You know what? Both of you, mm. fuck off." Is basically what she said. Like, yeah. you both can leave. Like, it wasn't even about like I'm gonna choose Charles now. It was like, nope, I don't even like any of you. Both of you, like, right. both of you can leave. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think she would have eventually left Charles. It seems like she wanted to. After that, there's a, yeah, there's an idea of um, like you said, like you kind of said at the beginning about the idea of uh, of like childhood that Eva's eventual evolution and growth would, would eventually lead to rebellion and yep. uh, and and desertion. Um, uh, it's interesting to even note that Eva, as a character, even spontaneously generates um, notions of charity and kindness on her own. Um, yeah. uh, of um, when she first meets Victor, technically, well, you know, as a you know for, uh, formed actual consciousness, she meets Victor. Yeah. Um, she thinks he's a beggar, and she gives him a coin. Uh, you know, um, and Charles never her taught gift. her that. Yeah. yeah, but Charles never taught her that. You know, uh, Charles never would have taught her. You know, uh, be nice to the less fortunate that's not right. who Charles is. So that was clearly something he would never have taught her. Uh, so, I mean, yes, there is that idea of Eva has developed into her own person. And that is uh, ostensibly a feminist idea. I just think the director is undercutting his own work. No, I see what you're saying ever. too. Yeah. I'm just saying, I just think as a, <laughs> as a female yeah. it was kind of nice. I've seen other movies where I'm like, really girl? Like, Oh, it could have gotten worse. Yeah. It like, could have been a whole lot like, worse. Come on. Like, seriously, like, let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's not, you know, but yeah. I just, I was, cause that's how I thought it was going to be. Cause I've never seen this movie. I, like I said, I heard about it for the very first time when I was mm-hmm. watching in search of darkness. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like this yeah. movie actually sounds kind of interesting. I might, I might want to watch this someday. Well, yeah, it's got it's got Clancy Brown as Frankenstein's monster. I mean, that's interesting by itself. But yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it could have been a lot worse in terms of in terms of that uh, 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 presentation of uh, male and female interactions. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's. But I mean, I do I do appreciate uh, Eva as a character. Um, 
and what she's able to accomplish as a character. Um, even if the film uh, still maintains an idea of it's a man's world, um, you know, it's, uh, I think I would have liked to have seen, I mean, I think firstly, like besides even the Countess, there aren't even any other women in it. Um, Not really. No. Yeah. And so, uh, I feel like, uh, uh, a, a female uh, character on Victor's side of that story would have actually done something to help solidify that. Uh, like I'm kind of thinking about like, um, the idea of him being, it would have been painful to watch, but the idea of him being rejected by another woman, um, right. you know, might've, oh. might've helped, uh, solidify the idea of like, you know, that, uh, and, and maybe solidify the idea of this movie is almost a sort of a genderless, uh, presentation on humanism. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think that's more what it succeeds at rather than feminism. I think mm-hmm. it's, uh, when you compare it with, cause you have sort of this idea of man and woman interaction on one side of the film. I mean, the other side of the film, you've got what you were talking about, about Ronaldo and being mistreated for being different. And then it tries to bring that difference into Eva's side of the narrative. But at that point, we're so fully uh, entrenched in misogyny uh, and the misogynistic control of the feminine that you start losing that these two things don't quite connect. Right. If that makes sense, it's uh, it's, you know, um, you've got two very different stories that are kind of talking about the same thing, but that, uh, but is recontextualized on both sides. So the, the balance isn't there. They're both and, learning that the, I think they're just both learning that the world is a cruel, cruel place. Right. Like they, uh, they're learning about what the world really is. And that's what's that. Right. Cause you know, yeah. like Victor learns the hard way, but even Eva learns the hard way, mm-hmm. you know, like she learns, like, I mean, how, how would I feel if I found out someone made me, mm-hmm. you know, like what would that do to me? like yeah the whole idea of like holy crap because she even said like you don't own me but then it's almost like when she realizes what happened it's like it's almost like she second guesses herself like does he own me maybe he does yeah like, he made, you know he, he literally he, pieced me together from parts which he did a really good stitching job by the way because <laughs> i didn't see any scars on her no. you know like victor but uh one thing i did want to say because i remember this because clancy brown talked about it on the documentary which I made sure I I actually wanted to see if I noticed it is that he said that the monsters or Victor's makeup does gradually get um, more handsome yeah. mm-hmm. by the end of the movie than the beginning. Cause you're supposed to fall in love with him. Like you're mm-hmm. supposed to see that, you know, beauty is skin deep and that mm-hmm. he may have these scars and stuff, but because he's such a good person, you see the beauty on the outside. So they actually kind of, phased out some of the makeup and like changed it a little to make him absolutely and i i was watching it and i was like yeah I, yeah i see that i like that i think that's actually a really good point is just showing that someone you know you can really you can looks aren't everything right. um and i will say that you know people say that all the time they're like looks aren't everything no it's it's true but you know the first thing we do notice is looks but then we notice then we learn about the person and i've met some very beautiful men who mm-hmm. are the shittiest people in the world or have no personality have nothing and i've met men that i might first have looked at or wouldn't look twice at at a bar or anywhere and once i started talking to him was like wow they're really nice people and they're Mm -hmm. you know and it shows up 
I don't know. My mom always said like how you are on the inside eventually shows up on your outside. If you're ugly on the inside, you will be seen as ugly on the outside and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think this movie definitely captures that with the character of Victor. Cause at first you look at him and you're supposed to be repulsed by him. But by the end of the movie, you're like really happy that he finds Eva and that they can find each other and that they go to mm-hmm. Venice for Ronaldo. They do go, they do go to Venice for Ronaldo. But no, I think, I think that's, I, I think that's a very important aspect of the film. I think, like I said, I, I feel like this movie um, works much better as a, a, a humanist tale than yeah. a gendered tale where yeah. um, the idea of, of Victor and Eva uh, earn humanity yeah. versus the people who have it intrinsically. Um, and all the people who have it intrinsically are awful. Um, you know, like it's every single person in this movie is awful except for Ronaldo. And Ronaldo share has more in common with the two golems. Yeah. Than than he does other people. Uh and so there's this idea of Victor being a non-human at the beginning of the picture, as yeah. he's just a creation, he's a monster right. to becoming a man. Yeah. And that man. Uh, even inspires it's an awkward scene it's out of nowhere but he goes and talks to the uh uh romania guy um and with the the salesman for the oh, yeah. uh necklace and the guy rips him off and then thinks second about uh has second thoughts about ripping him off and gives him back his money yep. it's an awkward scene but it's again it's uh if you look at what that scene's supposed to represent it's the idea that uh for once victor is registering as a human being yeah. to someone else um, i did write i wrote that that actually, yeah that scene too because i thought it was very interesting that yeah i thought he was going to take his money but when he turned on he's like nah you know what this no. is sufficient yeah yeah this is enough here's the rest of your money i now actually understand i understand that you are another human being yeah yeah and it's a fascinating idea uh and i think it happens on either side too i think uh jennifer beals has some very uh, it's a very physical performance both by her and clancy brown they both do some great movement work um but the way that, you know, she goes from, uh, Beals goes from playing very animalistic and very, uh, protean. Uh, I, I noticed, um, a motif of, uh, weather with Eva in particular. Uh, you know, there's fire or, or elements, there's fire, mm-hmm. a lot of fire, a lot of rain, thunder, lightning, dirt, um, all these things that are associated with Eva's earlier, uh, feral nature. And then it's very soft. It's very, um, but even when she, uh, when by the time she fights back against Charles, it's sort of, she has this whole other bearing. She's, she's standing taller. She's mm-hmm. more, uh, I think her hair gets bigger too, but it's hard to tell because it's, it's 85. So, uh, her hair is big to begin with, <laughs> but, um, in fact, it's the other character in the movie, in my opinion. It's, it's just like, gigantic uh 1980 what was this 84 85 85 well, Charles basically has a mullet so come on well he's sting yeah <laughs> i mean like it's it's um you know it's gonna be uh he's gonna look a certain way because he's sting um and uh but yeah i mean it's uh but yeah but it's very 85 very 1985 looking but yes it's um but even I think her hair even changes a little bit by the end of the film. I think she she has a much more a different physical uh, bearing than she did earlier. And it's a fascinating idea. Again, it's something that I think that there's a lot of people in this movie that know what they're doing. It just doesn't come together the right. way it should. 
And um, there's a because there's a lot of visual metaphor and a lot of storytelling happening in this movie that is under the surface. Like there, I guess, that motifs of of elements. There's, uh, you know, you mentioned Victor's uh, makeup gradually uh, becoming more and more man, uh, uh, not masculine, but human. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, um, and, uh, you know, even the way uh, Sting plays, uh, you know, Charles is any sort of veneer of charm is stripped away by the end. Uh, he becomes an animal by the end of the film. And, uh, and honestly, unattractive. Like it, the, honestly, yeah. when you first see him, he's supposed to be very beautiful and everyone, you know, he's yeah. people want him. They like him. They want, you know, cause he's a handsome, charming man. But by the end, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'd, I'd rather take Victor. He stops smiling. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's so mad not, all the time. He's such yeah. a, God, he's so all he does is all he does by the end of that film is snarl and scowl um and yell at poor eva for being a person yeah that's why i said i was saying like female sexuality because she at least was like developing her own female sexuality she was starting to like come into her own and even like defending herself like mm-hmm. nope. like i can i'm allowed to do this yeah i mean he did say like i'm gonna have her have the mindset of a man so if a man can do it and that's okay mm-hmm. she should be yeah, able he, to do it too yeah he thinks he's creating he thinks he's creating the perfect uh mate for himself and he's actually creating the antithesis of himself it's uh again it's an all a very fascinating idea that um if only they played with it more you know or yeah. managed to make it uh because that the ultimate problem i think with the bride is there's two movies happening and right they're actually and even though they're designed to mirror each other they're very different stories and it sort of doesn't quite connect. Um, but uh, because ultimately Frankenstein as a story is very much about the idea of what measure is a man. Uh, you know, uh, is the monster a human being or is it a monster? Uh, what is it he is exactly? Um, I do like that this is one of the very few, um, if not one of the, if not the first Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster at any rate that does develop speech you know real speech like able to form a coherent sentence it's interesting that that happens in this movie um i'm not sure if it had happened prior does I, happen i'll later. admit i've actually never seen frankenstein or bride of frankenstein oh either you movie you should definitely see there are movies i want to see yeah. but a lot of the movies now that i haven't seen i'm just like i'm gonna wait for another now it's like i just wait for the podcast to watch them yeah no i get you but um my mom did read me the story i don't remember much of it but she read me that one and dracula and a bunch of stephen king books when i was a kid too so i highly recommend bride of frankenstein it's actually really funny um it's um james will had fashioned it as sort of a horror comedy um and um it works it's a very and it's a very powerful story about that that really does parallel a lot of james wales uh experiences and about being persecuted for being different um but and, uh, ostensibly the ending of that movie is the beginning of the bride uh, that's, what was, it, that's what i read yeah, yeah. except yeah, yeah except that it presupposes both creations survive um but uh, let me get spoiler alert for a you know 75 year old movie <laughs> the end of bride of frankenstein is both both creations perish um with uh with uh one of uh one of my favorite most powerful lines that was actually then um kind of uh called back in like bride of chucky which is the the you know we belong dead uh uh very powerful line read by boris karloff in bride of frankenstein 
of um, we'll never fit in. We'll never right. be, we'll never be normal. We can't be. Right. So we, you know, we were never meant to be. Um, this movie uh, wants to go the other direction and say, well, we're absolutely meant to be. And in fact, we've undergone, you know, the dark night of the soul that most people never do. And as such, we've earned our humanity. We've earned our place in the world. And that's a really uh, upbeat, uh, positive idea. Uh, well, like, of... they're supposed to be the monsters. It's, I, I love movies that make you ask, who's the real monster? Yeah, who's the real monster? Like, is it yeah. the creature or is it the human? And nine times out of ten, it's the human it's the being. Human. Yeah. They're more the monsters. So, like I said, in this movie, Eva and Victor, they're not the monsters. Charles is. Charles is the monster. The, yeah, oh, he's absolutely the villain. Yep. He's the villain. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just I always like movies like that that really make you question, like, who can be in, in always human beings are always mm-hmm. the worst yep i feel bad saying that because i'm a human being but it's like yeah we do a lot more destruction oh yeah like than I mean, any monster or creature because if you think about it most monsters or creatures even in, in horror movies in general these creatures a lot of them are just going on instinct it's just they mm-hmm. don't have a conscious mind like we do they don't but we do we're aware of what we're doing they're not they're going on mm-hmm. instincts alone but we mm-hmm. know what we're doing and we still yeah. choose to be terrible people who mm-hmm. you know so this movie's definitely i think plays on that which is movies i absolutely love is when you can ask that question it's like who's the real mm-hmm. monster it always ends up being the human yep it just does i don't know why uh human beings we suck no i'm just kidding mm-hmm. i'm joking because no oh, well i'm not we kind of do <laughs> but yeah uh i i our, our civilization and uh and species i think is uh uh what's funny about i think the the real world code of implication of the bride is that i think history has shown us a lot of times that when a persecuted group of people sometimes uh move out of persecution they learn very little uh and then turn around and persecute someone else and it's this this cycle that happens the, the bride wants to be optimistic i think mm-hmm. in stating that these two uh, have have become whole as a result of their experiences and are going to live happily ever after. Um, I'm not sure it works like that in the real world, unfortunately. But um, but no, it's a, it's a fun film. No, I liked it. Like I said, mm-hmm. I I I did enjoy. It. I the only thing I my complaint was it was definitely a little too long. Way too long. Um, I definitely saw yeah. parts where I was like, that scene didn't even need to happen. You can still yeah. keep like the thought I had of the mirroring of like, here's the two people learning about the world around them in different yeah. ways. And you could have cut some of those scenes out. Mm-hmm. You know, that was my only thing. I was like, I'm like, okay, this is a little long. I don't mind long movies, but I only have so much time. People, right. I still got homework to do, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. all my time watching a totally. horror movie, even though I love to, I just takes me, for, it literally takes me like, I don't know if people know that it takes me like four or five days to watch just even an hour and a half movie because of how yeah. many notes I take because I write down scenes and I write down the dialogue because I like when I don't have a guest on the show I'll go over the dialogue I'll talk mm-hmm. and then I'll talk about it because for me it's like you got to hear the dialogue in order for me to explain what I'm trying to talk about mm-hmm. so it takes a long time and then it's just hours and hours of fleshing out the notes because then I have to because I'm trying to transition I know it sounds dumb but I'm trying to transition a little more into not a full script, but script like. So mm-hmm. I'm not sitting there and pressing pause 
and going, okay, what was I trying to say? Okay, record again or, you know, totally. yeah. things like that. So I'm trying, so that takes even more time because I'm trying to transition a little more into not a full blown, like I'm just reading a paper, but more of like, here's keynotes, here's the scene I have to read. Okay, mm-hmm. here's the key point. So it takes a long time <laughs> for me to watch a movie. So I'm glad that uh, I got to watch this two hour movie and talk to you because I was like, this would have taken me like two weeks to do (laughs) Totally. (laughs) if I had to do it on my own. So, and I'm only doing one more movie this month because next weekend I'm going to drag ball and I'm actually dressing as Tiffany Valentine. You mentioned it's nineties. It's nineties theme. So I was like, I'm going to go as Tiffany because I came out in like 98. So it counts. Yeah. No, that's great. Mm. But I actually covered everything I wanted to talk about. Oh, wait, no. One more thing I wanted to talk about. Now I can't find my paper. Was the whole thing about the church. That church scene, it's very short. But remember, they go to the church to steal money. But the guy is like, what would we do if every, you know, beggar came off the street and asked the church to help them? Like, God forbid. God forbid. God forbid. (laughs) I'm like, it's a short scene, but it really, like, shows how... Well, how not all Christians can be, but how a good majority of them are. Yeah. Like, we're Christians. We go to church every Sunday. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I could stand in my garage, but it doesn't make me a car. That's true. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, no, I know exactly. You know, what and you this mean. priest, like, just says it right then and there. It's like, no, you're a beggar. I, yeah. I guess you don't have a job. And what would we do? You know, what would we do if we handed out, actually helped people? God. Right. <laughs> No, it's totally. a short scene, but it just made me laugh because I'm just like, wow, what a douche. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I'm like, well, but I know yeah. a lot of people like that. <laughs> no, it's 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 a, it's another example of this film kind of pointing out that like, you know, the the polite society is not uh in fact this movie more or less says like no society is actually yeah. any any good. But yeah. True. Yeah. <laughs> Cause even the circus isn't much better. So all right. Come in, come here. Just I'll be upstairs in a minute. Yeah. Did you just say no to me? (laughs) Sorry. She Mm. showed up way too many times this time. Yeah. No, that's all right. This is having a kid, people. This is what happens. They drop in and, you know, and I leave it in every time. Oh, no, that's great. She's a good good kid. I'm glad she, uh, (laughs) and I'm glad you guys uh, have the, have that, that relationship. I think it's wonderful. So. Oh, yeah. She likes it. Mm -hmm. She even told me before, she was like, who are you talking to? I'm like, Nathaniel. He was my old co-host. And she's like, I miss Nathaniel. I haven't talked to him in like years. And I was like, <laughs> you literally jumped in like a few months ago yeah. when we were talking about a movie. Yeah. And she's like, when? December? I was like, I actually don't remember right now, but it was, yeah. a, few ago. It was a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> but she's like, I haven't talked to him in years. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're well, seven. I've- I, yeah, I, I'm flattered to be remembered, but I'm not sure she has. She really knows exactly who I am. You'd actually be surprised the memory yeah. my kid has. Like well, she has a photographic memory. Oh well, like, I'm, I'm very, very flattered. Like, better than my photographic memory. Like names, I have a hard time with, but I have a photographic memory. Hers is even better. She can connect names with the faces, so she nice. only has to meet you once, and she'll remember you. Yeah, kind of her. interesting, actually. I'm like, man, I should. Can we go to Vegas? Is that where yeah. Vegas? Like, she will that work? Count. She can card count. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, can you do that? They won't know. She's seven. Jeez. <laughs> but that was, yeah, that was the only last thing I wanted to talk about because I just thought the scene was just kind of, I know it was short, but it was just so funny because I'm just, 
there's this that's the meme I always post like all the time where it's like going to church every Sunday does doesn't make you more of a Christian than me standing in my garage makes me a car and I'm right. always like yeah I love when people are like I go to church every Sunday I'm like okay I'm like so did um Dennis Radar who was the BTK killer yeah like so very true yeah it's, it's true yeah I'm like mm-hmm. and Ted Bundy used to be part of like a youth a church youth group so yeah so I'm like again what are you trying to say like right you know whatever <laughs> so but is there anything else you wanted to talk about you want to you can plug anything you want right now for your show at the Devil's Ball. If got oh, um, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, I, uh, I'm i over at, uh, yeah, I've got uh, my regular podcast uh, at the Devil's Ball. Um, we are uh, at Devil's underscore AT on Twitter. Uh, this month we're doing um, Eat the Rich Month. We're, uh, we're talking about movies with social class and um, uh, an anti-capitalist bent. Uh, and uh, that's a lot of fun. We just did um, George Romero's Land of the Dead. We got... Uh, they live and um, Brian Yosna's society. I was just going to ask you if you're doing society, please God. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. That. In the next couple of weeks, we'll be getting those up. Um, that's a good movie. But yeah, uh, and that's a good time. You know, it's just a, it's another, it's a horror podcast um, where a couple of old dudes talk about horror movies. So you're going to talk about the shunting. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, we are going to be talking about the shunting. <laughs> um, but no, actually, I was watching when I was watching. Um, I had actually. Uh, thought of doing it right before and then when i was watching um the new uh uh in search of darkness mm-hmm. they had the great interview with uh screaming matt george and oh, uh i, I was like idea. oh yeah like i'm uh i'm glad we're doing uh i'm glad we're doing society because i you know it's uh it's such a it's such a wild film and it's been forever since i've seen it so it'll be fun to revisit but but yeah that's uh that's that's uh me in a nutshell that's uh that's what i'm doing so I just yeah I just did last uh last episode was a Brian Yuzna film it was uh Return of the Living Dead three, okay, yep. That's I said one. Romeo and Juliet with zombies. I mean, come on, that's essentially it. Yeah, yeah pretty mm-hmm. much. And I've always loved the movie. I don't know why people give it so much hate because I'm like it's such a fun movie. It's been forever, but yeah, I remember. I remember thinking it's fine. I mean, I've never been a big um. We actually talked about this when we did um Land of the Dead last week, but I've, I've never been a big zombie guy. Um, but, um, but yeah, I remember liking Return of the Living Dead 3. It's been a long time, but yeah. Yeah. Land of the Dead. Yeah. I do like that one too. It's been a while Mm -hmm. since I've seen that one. Now I forgot the name of the guy in it who I think is totally hot. Whatever. I'll (sighs) later. Not to the soccer, I imagine. He he was on The Mentalist and The Guardian. Oh, the lead? Yeah. Land of the Dead, Riley. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I forget his name, but yeah. Me and my girl yeah. Tarzy Lux talks about him all the time. We're just like, oh my god, he needs to go to a horror convention just so I can meet him. Yeah, yeah. He actually doesn't like horror movies. He um he did it. Uh, from what I understand, he only did the film to work with Romero. Um, but that was because he was uh because Romero was a legend. Uh, but supposedly he just doesn't do horror films. So yeah. I he does the but, Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's That's a, a horror he's, movie to me. He's a legitimate actor, uh, but yeah, he uh, but he did it just to work with Romero, and uh, yeah, he doesn't. He res- uh, at least I can he, you can say he has respect for um, horror directors. Yes. Yep. So that's good. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so 
Yeah, I covered everything. And I think my kid is trying to tell me I need to go upstairs. And go I think that's uh, that's the vibe I'm getting. <laughs> I know, yeah. right? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. No, so, it's okay. all right. <laughs> so I'm going to wrap it up for today. Thank you again for joining me here on Sinful Sarah's Horror Menagerie. Again, I'm your host, Saracen. Nathaniel, thank you for joining me for my 100th episode. Like, yay. Oh, I'm so glad to be back. And uh, and like I said, I'm I'm so glad that uh, you've hit this milestone. And I think that's that's just amazing. So congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you for sticking around as I discuss horror history, psychology, mental health, and horror movies. Hope you enjoyed the show. Again, thank you for listening. And I just want to remind everybody that there's a horror movie out there for everyone to enjoy. So thank you. 